Today's show is sponsored by JumpCloud. JumpCloud offers a cloud directory platform that gives users a single identity for their email, apps, networks, and even their work devices, whether they're Mac, Windows, or Linux. JumpCloud gives IT admins a single pane of glass to configure and secure those devices, set policies for MFA, full disk encryption, screensaver, and much more. With JumpCloud, remote onboarding and offboarding goes from hours to under five minutes. JumpCloud puts zero trust security within the reach of organizations of any size. JumpCloud reimagines the relationship between the user identity, their work device, and their access to resources. Access is securely granted based on trusted identity, trusted device, and trusted network. So if you're looking for a directory that supports heterogeneous OSs, or you just need SSO, MDM, LDAP, MFA, or all of the above, JumpCloud will make your job easier. Try it out for yourself at jumpcloud.com. That's jumpcloud.com. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. A Sunday perspective show on the, uh, I guess, second day of spring, uh, March 20th, sometimes March 21st is considered the first day of spring. So hope everybody is starting to enjoy the spring. Hope the weather's getting a little better wherever you live uh, around the world. And uh, today we're going to talk about, you know, we're up, coming up on around kind of give or take the first year anniversary of dealing with this pandemic. Um, you know, I know some parts of the world got started a little bit earlier, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, kind of we're kind of dealing with around the one year anniversary. And the good news is we're starting to see, you know, more and more things evolve, right? The vaccinations are starting to roll out more and more, not necessarily evenly around the world, unfortunately, but we're starting to see the science take over. We're seeing vaccinations um, kicking in in different places. And hopefully, uh, you know, assuming that we, we kind of get our acting together and we get enough people vaccinated or to some level of herd immunity or whatever that might be, maybe by this fall, uh, you know, we're kind of back to, to normal. And the question becomes, what does normal mean? And so, you know, I've been trying to think about this in the perspective of, you know, we occasionally go through these sort of traumatic things as a, you know, either a, an individual country or global community and so forth, whether it's, you know, an economic crisis or, you know, a war or, you know, in this case, the pandemic or something else. And, you know, a lot of times things change coming out of that. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to take today's show, uh, since we're around the roughly one year anniversary, and sort of look at, you know, where are we with the pandemic in terms of what's changed? What do we sort of know that's changed? Um, what do we think might change back to sort of the previous normal? And maybe what are some of the new normals that we're going to see going forward? So we're going to kind of dive into that as sort of, a, you know, how will COVID change the tech industry? How has it changed the tech industry? And, uh, you know, what sort of thinking might we have going forward? So we're going to get to that right after the break. Today Today's show is sponsored by O'Reilly. O'Reilly is known for its animal books, which have helped tech professionals stay ahead for over 40 years. Today, its online learning platform at O'Reilly.com takes learning tech to the next level. Sure, your teams get access to thousands of books and videos, but there's also interactive learning, which is where you can get hands-on with tech like Kubernetes, Python, Docker, Java, and much more in live dev environments. So they learn by doing, not just reading. With live online sessions, your teams learn from the biggest brains in AI, software architecture, cloud, data, programming, and more. They can even prep for tech certification exams with official materials and interactive practice tests. And then there's O'Reilly Answers. You just ask the search engine any tech question, and it takes you right to the best answers from O'Reilly's renowned books. It's why 66% of all Fortune 100 companies give their teams O'Reilly Online Learning. Get a demo today at O'Reilly.com. 
That's O'Reilly.com. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring platform that unifies metrics, logs, and traces from technologies like Istio, AppMesh, and Envoy. Plus, Datadog's service map automatically plots out the dependencies in your microservices architectures for seamless, context-rich troubleshooting. With rich visualizations, algorithmic alerting, and more than 250 vendor-supported integrations, Datadog allows you to monitor your distributed applications in real time. Start a free 14-day trial today by visiting datadog.com cloudcast, and Datadog will send you a great free t-shirt. That's datadog.com cloudcast. And we're back, and hopefully everybody is doing well. Again, this Sunday Perspective show, kind of thinking about, you know, where are we with uh, the evolution uh, with this pandemic uh, in terms of the tech industry, in terms of how it's going to affect the tech industry, how it's going to affect cloud usage and so forth. And so, you know, by no means have, have we ever proven ourselves to be uh, world-class prognosticators. I think we do a decent job of kind of, you know, looking ahead of what might happen, uh, you know, in the future. But, uh, you know, don't take this by any means as, uh, you know, great financial advice or something you should, you know, bet your career on. But I've been thinking about, you know, what uh, what have we learned over the last year? What's distinctly changed? And, you know, what's sort of 50-50 on might change back or might change to something in the future? So I thought I would take that and sort of frame it up the way we do on the Sunday Perspective show as, you know, kind of what do we know? Uh, what do we maybe know? And then, you know, what's sort of open-ended in the future? And I tried to break this into kind of four sections. You know, we're going to break this into kind of how we work and how we collaborate. Um, you know, the adoption of public cloud uh, as a result of us not necessarily being in our offices as much and maybe necessarily not uh, being in our data centers as much. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what the cloud providers did or didn't do uh, throughout this pandemic. And then just a little bit of maybe what's next, you know, what's what's the next big thing. So I'm going to kind of frame it into those four buckets and uh, kind of see where this goes. So I'm going to start with remote work and uh, and collaboration, because I think probably more than anything, the the most immediate impact that we saw from COVID was obviously uh, you know, the, the the vast majority of us, and not everybody, but a lot of people in the tech industry started working from home or working remote, if you will. Um, I shouldn't necessarily just classify that as working from home because a lot of times uh, people picked up and left where they were working uh, because they now had an opportunity to not go into the office. Um, so we saw some people being transient in terms of where they lived. They were taking advantage of uh, living in new locations because it was cheaper or you know, this was an opportunity. Their company was now allowing them to not be forced to work in the office. They made some policies that said, hey, you can work remotely. And so, you know, we did see some amount of, of moving around places like Texas and Florida. Sometimes people moved for tax reasons. Sometimes they moved for weather reasons. Sometimes they moved for family reasons. So we saw, you know, the biggest thing that we Im immediately saw and continue to see is this kind of evolution of what remote work means. And for some people, uh, kind of full-time remote work has been a, a full-time thing. They've done it for a very long time. I think what we're going to see, what we've seen over the last year or so is a couple of shifts, right? One, um, you know, the companies who have always been sort of 100% remote, if you will, um, you know, are talking more and more about what they do, what they do well. Uh, we've seen people like HashiCorp just recently published kind of their internal culture document, which I thought was interesting. I'll put that in the show notes. You know, HashiCorp's always talked about being a kind of a fully embracing remote work kind of company. Um, but we've also seen companies like Google and Amazon and others who have notoriously been, you know, very uh, office bound in terms of where they wanted people to work, whether that was in Silicon Valley or whether it was in Seattle or wherever it might be. 
Um, and we've seen more and more. We've seen them, you know, begin to do a couple of things. Um, in some cases, they have uh, been actively recruiting people that uh, don't live in those areas uh, for new roles. So we've seen a huge uh, uptick in people, you know, beginning to switch jobs or considering, hey, that's a company I could work for, but I never could work for them in the past. Um, them starting to become a little more flexible and lax in terms of, uh, you know, how dependent that they needed people to be of, of being in the office. Um, now, the interesting thing about that is in a lot of cases, uh, it's not clear whether that will be a permanent policy. So in the case of like Google, Google just announced that they uh, are planning to spend about $7 billion in 2021, maybe 2021, 2022 in new office space. But that office space isn't necessarily all in California. We saw some in uh, Texas. We saw some in North Carolina. We're seeing some in other places. So uh, you know, there is some adoption of, hey, we need to spread out and meet people where they are. Um, some of that may just be, again, for tax reasons, and we see all sorts of corporate things happening. But it's going to be very interesting to watch and see how well people continue to adapt to this remote idea. Is it, you know, remote forever? Um, which, you know, for a lot of people, that's fine. Uh, you know, there's lots of family dynamics that play into that. Um, for some people, it creates a lot of uncertainty in terms of, you know, I just took a job. I've never seen any or met any of my coworkers, and I'm not sure if I have to go back in the office. And I'm not sure if this job that I took is sort of tied to the remoteness. But working for this company, which may have, you know, multiple career paths, is that going to be flexible as well? Like, or is was was it only this job that's going to be flexible for the remoteness? But for you know the next thing might like come along in 22 or 23 or 24 or whenever. Is that going to be tied back to a physical location, right? So will we see sort of a boomerang thing happen in 2022 or 23 or 24 where people are having to move back to California, move back to Seattle, move back to Boston or these very sort of high rent districts, if you will, and, uh, you know, big concentration areas? Or do we continue to see the proliferation of people being spread out, uh, whether that's, you know, in the States or around the world and other locations? So that's going to be a really big, interesting thing. Um Second thing is around collaboration, right? I, you know, I sort of look at it as we have the foundational pieces in place in terms of tools to be able to do remote work. So, you know, GitHub and Zoom and Slack and Jira and public cloud. So, you know, all the fundamental things are in place for people to work remotely, but they're not really, you know, optimized or designed to be great at collaboration, right? They're okay, right? Things like Slack are okay at collaboration, but they're still kind of time bound, right? If you miss, you know, a thread and, you know, you're not on the, the best plan, you may not be able to go back and look at it. Uh, you may have too many threads going on. Um, you know, so there's a lot of still time zone things that are going on. Uh, you know, we talked a few weeks ago to some folks like at Linear B who are uh, trying to build in stuff like, you know, what's the mental state of people working on projects, right? Like, are they slowed down their work? Have they uh, accelerated their work, right? There's not really a lot of things yet built in to take into consideration that we have remote teams, right? We have tools, um, but they're not necessarily designed, you know, to to think about holistically what is it like to have remote teams. They're just kind of online tools, if you will. So it'll be very interesting to see if we start to see a, a big change in those kind of core foundational tools, if we start to see people kind of breaking down after a year plus of, you know, working remote, not being around people, working on odd hours, having to, you know, manage all the family life changes, you know, having to deal with, you know, just the the stress and sort of, uh, you know, ongoing thing of having ring lights in your face all the time or always being on video. So, you know, it'll be interesting to watch kind of throughout the rest of this year, 
people people were real resilient to get through the first year. Sometimes, you know, after maybe they let their guard down, they go, oh, the vaccinations are out there. Uh, you know, we start to see some challenges there. So that'll be really interesting to watch is, you know, do the tools evolve to become robust for remote workers or, you know, do remote workers go back to being sort of second class citizens and only the people on a video call and sort of not into the hallway conversation and all that kind of stuff. And the third thing I wanted to talk about in terms of this was kind of events, um, you know, for for some people in the industry, events are kind of the lifeblood, right? They get a chance to uh, not only showcase their knowledge, um, they're there gaining knowledge, they're, you know, part of, you know, companies that are, you know, interacting and doing commerce and so forth. But also for a lot of people, certain events are their place to network, their place to learn. And, you know, it's been harder and harder to network with people because you just, you don't see them. You don't see them in the bar. You kind of don't get that tip about a new job. You don't kind of hear about a trend that might be below the radar of the media and stuff. So it's going to be interesting. Obviously, we saw, you know, about 5X or 10X at a lot of events in terms of the numbers of signups. So if you said, hey, I went to KubeCon or I went to AWS reInvent or whatever, you know, the, the numbers for the event are huge. But it, it was kind of questionable as to whether or not those events had much impact in the last year. Um, you know, lots of announcements were made, as they always are. Lots of keynotes and videos were made. But did anybody really go back and, and watch those things? Did they ever sit down and listen to them? How much, you know, time was really spent uh, really consuming it? Because we were overwhelmed. We were doing, you know, meetings all the time and dealing with, you know, just the transitions with kids and family and all that stuff. So. It's going to be interesting to see how events really recover. Um, you know, in some cases, I, I, we're starting to see talked about in the fall of 2021. Um, you know, summer still online, uh, so you know, maybe 2022, and and who knows? Who knows? Lots of people are talking about you know not doing as much business travel. You know, much more consumer travel than business travel. So that's going to be a huge, huge impact, and I think um, something we're going to have to to take into consideration, um, you know, just kind of finding that balance between people being effective at their jobs and their mental health and, and kind of, you know, their comfort level of being in places that maybe still aren't vaccinated very well, aren't very well, uh, you know, managed in terms of, of just kind of overall health and safety. All right. So that kind of, you know, a lot of thoughts there around, you know, remote work and collaboration, which I think for a lot of people, because it impacts them directly on a daily basis and they can most relate to it, probably top of mind in terms of what COVID did to affect you this last year. Let's talk a little bit about usage and adoption and so forth. So, you know, we did see, um, you know, adoption of the public cloud. Obviously, as people weren't going into their offices, it was, you know, a little harder to to grow new projects. Like you couldn't go in a rack and stack new servers in your data center. Um, you know, in some cases, maybe it wasn't as easy to get something out of a colo or something like that. So, you know, we saw some dynamics change in terms of, you know, how much can we grow a project? Uh, you know, can we even get equipment, right? We had some, some supply chain uh, challenges and so forth. Um, and so there was some growth of public cloud, right? There was obviously a lot of adoption of, of SaaS types of things. Obviously, we saw stuff like Zoom and other collaboration tools and lots of SaaS things sort of take off. Um, when we looked at the overall growth of the public cloud, so we looked at the, you know, big three, four companies, Yes, they grew, but not at astronomical numbers, right? Like not compared to, you know, we talked about the industry, uh, you know, just the, the kind of the global economy as a whole, the things that did really well, which you would have thought technology would have done, you know, huge, um, you know, cloud usage wasn't massive, massive numbers, right? There was a few outliers, a Zoom or certain things and so forth. 
but you know, for example, you talk about like a FedEx or a UPS, like they were having, you know, Christmas type of delivery every single day, right? We had, you know, certain things that just kind of blew up. The cloud grew, but it didn't grow at a massive rate. So, you know, to me that says, yes, there was a certain amount of, uh, of new spend pushed into the cloud. There were some new projects taken on when there was opportunity, but it, this wasn't like this event that, that, you know, took the 70%, 80%, 90% of on-prem applications and just magically push them all to the cloud, right? Now, what we might see, uh, and this is what I think is going to be interesting, is is the sort of usage of the public cloud, even for non-existing applications, then going to you know drag more quickly the stuff that was in your data centers into the public cloud, right? Sort of the just lift and shift type of use cases, or you know basic refactoring, basic replatforming, going to happen, and and that may happen not necessarily because it was the best technical thing, but because sometimes we just see, you know, the financial thinking within companies is let's begin to do things as consistent as possible, even if not all of it is optimized as possible, right? So they want to get out of data centers, so they want to get out of long-term contracts, so they want to get out of things that aren't as flexible as they may need in the future. So I think that's going to be a big, uh, interesting thing. I think the second thing was, you know, I was sort of expecting we were going to see, you know, unfortunately, a lot of layoffs and a lot of companies go bankrupt. We didn't necessarily see that, which obviously is a good thing. You never want to see uh, sort of bad things happen to people. Um, but we also didn't see, you know, massive acquisitions either. I mean, we saw some acquisitions, uh, you know, security company here, security company there, network company here, there. But we didn't see massive consolidations, which is sort of unusual. I think a lot of people took a wait and see attitude. Budgets kind of got, you know, frozen early on. People started to make some adapt- adaptations. They, they, you know, unfroze a little bit the second half of the year. And we're, we'll see how 2021 shakes out. But um, yeah, I think, you know, kind of what's going to happen, how fast it'll accelerate. I know people like Satya Nadella said, hey, uh, you know, we saw a you know, two years of adoption happened in two months. Um, yeah, that probably happened during May and April, but we didn't, or I'm sorry, March and April of last year, but we didn't see that necessarily happen throughout the whole year, right? Like once we sort of realized what this new pandemic-y state got to, and I think we'll, we'll see that as well. So and what is going to be interesting is, you know, do we begin to see these more agile approaches become the normal? Right, because I think as we look at the world, unfortunately, the world is not becoming any more stable. We're seeing a lot of polarization. We're seeing some wild fluctuations fluctuations that swing with political, uh, you know, events that happen every two years or one year or four years, whatever the election cycles might be. So I'm wondering if we will see a bigger push to say, hey, um, you know, these 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 more rapidly evolving environments have to become the new normal. They can't just become the thing for a center of excellence. They can't just become the thing for the DevOps team. You know, we have to be as a company thinking more and more, and that extends into our technology. So that'll be kind of an interesting uh, other thing to be watching for the next couple of years. The third bucket I want to look at is why didn't the cloud providers do more? And this is something I've been sort of thinking about. Um, you know, we have a situation in which uh, the three big cloud providers, if you will, um, so Amazon, Google, Microsoft, in whatever order, have massive amounts of cash, right? And, you know, they're all somewhat tied up in other businesses as well. But, you know, Microsoft's got $137 billion in cash. Google's got $112 billion. Amazon's got $50 billion, and those numbers fluctuate. But, like, they have massive amounts of money, massive war chests to go make big moves. And obviously, when the market's in sort of volatile times, those are oftentimes the times when you make big moves, right? Money is really 
cheap these days to borrow if you want to. Um, these businesses are all throwing off a ton of cash. I was really surprised to not see more big, big moves, right? We didn't see any massive acquisitions from any of the big three cloud providers, whether that was in the services side of the business, whether that was in, you know, vendor acquisitions. Obviously we saw Salesforce acquire Slack, but you know, that, that doesn't really massively reshape the industry. So I was very, very surprised um, that that didn't happen. I was also very surprised that we didn't see anybody try and initiate a price war or anything that would, um, you know, really kind of change the, the dynamics of the market. They all seem to be, you know, just kind of fighting, uh, you know, competing with each other as if they're all, you know, of equals to a certain extent. Obviously, there's nuances between them, but we didn't see anybody make a a really radical step in one way or the other to try and change the dynamics of the game. And so I was kind of surprised at that. Um, but we did, on the other hand, we did begin to see, you know, some more long-term ELAs and, and big name ELAs from enterprise companies announced. So maybe that's the the sort of change that comes out of this is, um, you know, they're trying to, you know, tie them into these longer term contracts, which is kind of weird to, you know, hear about five-year and 10-year contracts um, for, you know, sort of the on-demand services, but that's uh, kind of the nature of what we have. But I, I was really sort of surprised that we didn't see more from the cloud providers looking at this, uh, you know, or even just, you know, massive, massive CapEx uh, type of type of things, you know, use, use debt um, or, you know, just l- cheap financing to, to expand out of that. We saw some from Amazon, um, but nothing, nothing from everybody else. So very surprised about that. The last bucket I'm going to kind of throw out, and this will be the last thing we'll wrap up with, um, was kind of this, where's the next big thing, right? And I, I throw this out because, you know, as I think back about, uh, you know, the 2006, 7, and 8 timeframe. So 2006 and 7, you had the iPhone launch, so sort of the smartphone, uh, you know, just change in how people interact with the internet, internet, uh, interact with data, interact with mobility happened 2006, 2007, uh, or 2007, 2006 to 2008 was when we first started even beginning to hear about AWS, right? Things like S3 and uh, EC2 and so forth. And then you had the financial crisis in 2008 and 2009. And, you know, we saw this massive, massive kind of change and, and innovation explosion that happened because of, you know, the public cloud change in how we do mobile devices. And then just this kind of reckoning of, okay, we got to think about finances differently. Um, you know, and it, it impacted a lot of different parts of the industry and we haven't really seen that yet. Right. We didn't, there wasn't anything necessarily radically changing, um, stuff in say 2018 or 19. Obviously we've seen stuff like AI and ML start to, to take off, but those are sort of just evolving, uh, areas of, of the technology spectrum. Um, and then 2020 comes along and, and granted 2020 was kind of a crash, kind of not a crash. I mean, it was, you know, it's a different type of thing. It was this sort of slow moving, painful thing, a little different than the crash of 2008, but I'm wondering, you know, what is that next big thing, right? Like what is the next, um, you know, I, I don't want to say like, let's not waste a crisis, but like, it, it just doesn't feel like we have the same alignment we had before where there was this percolating innovation explosion waiting to happen. And then you had this economic event that happened that drove a lot of stuff. So yes, the joke is floating around is, you know, uh, who drives your digital transformation? Is it your CEO, your CIO, your CTO, or was it COVID? Um, you know, I, I went into this show thinking, well, maybe COVID really is your your digital transformation officer. But, you know, COVID, looking back, I don't know that it's done as much to change things as we thought they did. 
Um, I'd love to get some people's perspective on what are the things that that we're sort of blind to or we're you know we're not seeing as much. Um, but you know we saw some changes. Obviously, we saw the the stock market you know reward the tech companies really really well for a while. It's kind of flattened out. But um, you know the more I think about it, um, you know the COVID piece had more change on people than it did technology and to a certain extent spending. I think what's going to be really interesting to watch and something we'll keep an eye on for the next couple of years of the show is just what are going to be the second and third order effects into 2022, into 23, into 24? And, you know, did COVID really change the way that we think about collaborating, the way that we consume applications, where we consume applications, or maybe some next big thing that just didn't jump off the page and, you know, you would have started to expected to start to see some of those things by now. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. I uh, hope everybody as always enjoyed today's Sunday's perspective. We will be back on Wednesday with show number 500. Uh, we're really excited about the 500th show and thank you to everybody who's listened to any, all, or part of the, uh, the shows over the last 10 plus years. So with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks for everybody for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for rating the show on uh, Apple Podcasts and all the other places you get it every week. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 